Well, I want to reiterate what Andy said earlier, uh, and just uh, thank our church family for uh, being there for VBS and uh, being so involved, being a part of it. Um, there's really no other way that it can happen uh, without that. Um, and then just the blessing also of uh, being able to uh, be away uh, for uh, a week, a couple weeks ago, and having Greg speak. Uh, I was talking with our deacons about that as we were praying before the service, um, just being thankful uh, for the ability to be in service, um, but yet not do anything uh, in the service. Um, and so as strange as that, as that is for a pastor to say, um, I want you to know, it's, I think it's a sign of uh, blessing and of health for the church, um, that there are so many of you that uh, participate and that are capable of uh, leading and are deacons for teaching. Uh, and then just this morning, too, I was sitting here um, thinking about um, some of the worship and the things we were doing. Um, what a wonderful way God lets us do that uh, with the gifts that we have to bless the body. Um, and so with that, um, I don't know, maybe you're listening online. Um, if you're here in person, I'm especially glad that you're here, too. Uh, my name is Michael. I'm the pastor here. And uh, so today we'll be uh, back in our series. So there's the table over there. There's stuff there. You don't know what it is. That's okay. Uh, it'll be a surprise. Uh, but we're back in our series, The War. And now we, we fought a lot of wars in history, right? Um, some more significant than others. But I really believe that the war that we fight um, in the spiritual realm is far more important than all the, war, the wars that you could put together um, that have happened throughout all of history. And it's one that we're fighting right now, and it's been happening throughout all of time. Now, the good news is we know that at the end of this war, God's going to make everything right. He's going to put everything in its place, and uh, those who uh, know and love God through His Son Jesus will be with Him uh, in heaven forever. Um, and we get to look forward to that, but now we do. We, there's times we struggle, and we go, God, we need your help. Uh, we should really say that every day. And so part of this series, The War, um, that came from the armor of God, um, as I was praying over that, and as it was something that um, uh, many people who were older and wiser uh, than me when I was growing up um, had shared that with me. The armor of God really gives us this focus of um, humility and a focus of uh, need for God daily in our lives. Uh, it's not a good place that we would be in this war thinking that we can handle it on our own, because we can't. Uh, and so with that, we'll be taking a look at the belt of truth today, the belt of truth. And you'll find that in Ephesians six fourteen. but our main text will be in John chapter 17, verses 1 through 19. Um, and as I was looking at this idea, this idea of truth, truth has been pretty skewed lately, hasn't it? Uh, it's in our culture. Um, it's in our world. Truth itself, actual truth, is maybe not as hard to find as you would think it is, although a lot of people claim to have the truth, and everyone can have different truth. Now, tell me how that makes sense, right? Uh, it doesn't. And so we know we have access to the truth, to the Word of God. And this belt of truth points us in the right direction. And so I want to just ask you a question, something to think about as we go through this. How do we know truth, right? It's easy to say that we have the truth, and we know we do. Um, but it's another thing to ask that question, how do we know we have the truth? I took a class in college, um, and it was, just, it was entitled this, uh, how do you know what's really real? It was the longest name of a class I'd ever had before. How do you know what's really real, what's really true? And so that's the question we need to ask ourselves today. When we think about the belt of truth, it's more than just when you get up in the morning, um, God, would you give me the helmet of salvation? Would you give me the breastplate of righteousness? Would you give me the belt of truth? Because I, I want to be truthful in my speech. I want to live in a truthful way. But, but more than this, we have the ability to know that we have the truth, what's really real, what's really the truth. And it's separated from the rest of the world and what the rest of the world says is truth or your truth. Maybe you've heard that statement before. That's your truth. Well, I have my truth. Well, I want you to know that we have this source of truth that's this objective source of truth. And it doesn't come from us, thanks, thank goodness, right? Because uh, if we were making up the truth, it might go bad. And it does when we say that it's ours and it's not outside of ourselves. It doesn't come from something else. We know that's God. And so as I was studying this, I found an article. It was in some of my previous um, research, and I've just kind of looked at these ideas of truth and how do we prove the truth. And there was this question that was asked to a couple of doctors, a couple of scientists, a uh, Dr. Depic Chopra and Manes Kafatos. 
And uh, these guys, they, they've studied many things throughout the universe. And um, in this uh, article they put out, it says, do we really know what's real? That was the uh, question that they put out there. And they wrote an article about this. And the Huffington Post published it uh, back in 2015. And throughout the article, they make various statements, as you might have heard in mainstream thought, that the world and the universe and everything in it can be explained through science and experimentation. So anything that we could you know, experiment on and then produce some sort of uh, after effect or thought, then that would be the things that we can prove are real. And I read the whole article, and so towards the end of the article, I, f- I found something interesting. This statement that they made, it was one of their main conclusions one of the doctors says this, most of the universe is sub-empirical, which means that the fundamental fields that make up the physical universe are invisible, probably infinite in expanse and out of direct reach to experimenters. Wait a second. So there are these doctors who, had, who, who wrote this article on everything we can understand can be uh, explained through science and experimentation and whatever that result is, that's how we know it's really real. And then here in this article at the end, they say, hey, you know, most of the universe, everything that it's made up of, well, it's invisible and it's out of reach of experimenters or experiments. And so to that, I say, well, I think they got a pretty good point there. But what can we know is truth. The things that we don't see, right? The things that are in the spiritual realm, the war that's going on, I think that points us in the right direction. Look at it in Ephesians 6.14. It says, having fastened on the belt of truth. So this sounds like a belt that is important, right? We need to fasten it on. We can't just throw it over our shoulder. We can't just go, okay, it's there. It's in my pocket, right? It serves a purpose to help us walk in the truth. And in John chapter 17, uh, Jesus is he's going to have what's called this high priestly prayer. It's right before he's about to go to the cross. And um, he, he prays this prayer for us, and it's primarily centered on the truth, what the truth is. My, my thoughts to this is that uh, Jesus knew we would encounter some problems in regards to truth in our life, in our culture, in our society. And even at that point, he was thinking about us right now in our culture, you individually, when you would have to deal with these thoughts of, how do I know what's really real, what the truth is. And so um, before we get into that, we know the book of John. Well, it was written by John. He was a disciple. He was an apostle of Jesus. It was written between 80 and 90 AD. And the purpose of this book, you can actually find a couple chapters later in John chapter 20, uh, where it says in verse 30, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So this purpose, this gospel, the reason that John wrote this was so that we could believe, so that we would have the truth. Uh, And here, as we're about to enter into chapter 17, uh, in verse 33 of chapter 16, it says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I've had to remember that statement many times. Um, Jesus said that there's going to be difficulty, right? And in a way, we feel like at times that's not so reassuring. But the truth is, and the promises like we talked about today, like we've sang about today, he's already overcome the world, right? And so we have access to that, and we don't have to fret. Because when we put on that belt of truth, we know we have confidence um, that every attack from the enemy as we go over this, Jesus is going gonna, gonna to help us understand that he's, he's not only wanting us to understand the truth, to walk in it, but that he's praying for us to, to be in it, to be one with God. And so with that, the first point is a true God, true God. There's a lot of people that claim to be uh, or have been uh, gods in the past or gods that they served or gods that can do certain things for them, little g. There's only one true God, right? And that's not a popular statement. So maybe you're here in the room this morning or maybe you're listening online and you're going, you can't really make absolute truth claims like that. Or if you do, you also have to say that whatever anybody else says that's true, that makes them feel good or right, is also true. And I'm here today to say something very unpopular, that there's only one truth and there's only one God. 
If you look throughout all of the Old Testament, this is the focus for the people of God because they were constantly being bombarded. We think we're so different, right, in our culture than the people of, uh, of the uh, Old Testament when they were coming up against other peoples and other gods and people who were claiming that their God was the God. And, and God just kept reiterating, no, there's one true God. There's there's one Yahweh. There's not, there's not a thousand of them, right? There's not this little God over here that's doing anything. No, there's only one. And so uh, with that, I want to read verse 1, because there's one true God in His glory, and it's demonstrated to us through Jesus. When Jesus had spoken these words, He lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son, that the Son may be glorified in You. And so as you could have guessed, there's some things over here. Uh, we're talking about the belt of truth, so there's some, uh, there's some belts over here. Um, one of the ones I wanted to show you first, it's a belt that maybe a few of you uh, might be able to uh, relate to, maybe many of you. Uh, it's a belt, it's actually mine, it's one that I've had probably for 15 years. It's a, it's a work belt, if you couldn't tell that, um, but it's worn, just you know, a classic cheap leather belt, um, and it's changed shape over the years, right? It's changed colors. Uh, and as I was thinking about the belt of truth and just kind of pulling out belt, different belts and looking at them, I, I pulled out that belt and I go, there's going to be a day that that belt, when I put it on to go do yard work or whatever, to go to paint something or do some kind of work, it's going to fail me, right? And then I have to go, oh man, well now I got to get another work belt, great. You always hate that, right? When you got to get another work belt because then it's like, oh, it just doesn't fit right, right? It's not shaped to you. And so that belt, well, it's going to fail one day, but we have this a belt of truth that God gives to us, and it says this glory, your son, that the son may glorify you. So what's this first step that we have to take? Well, we have to know that this true God, that the truth that comes from him, it came from somewhere, and it came from a God who was at the very beginning of creation. Jesus, who was, who was standing there offering that prayer for us, talking to God the Father, um, when Christy and I were, uh, we were on our little kind of, um, I guess, vacation anniversary trip, a 10-year wedding anniversary. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, our, our in-laws, my in-laws, Rod and Jamie, watched the kids. Um, so that was great. And uh, we were just kind of going through uh, the place we were at and looking at some shops. And we went to one shop in particular. They had a lot of, you know, kind of um, custom things, you know, some, some sweatshirts and things knit together. Uh, but the owner of that place must have been um, Hindu. So he had a, some... Uh, godlike figurines and statues and things like that, and we noticed those and just uh, <clears throat> just had a had a few um, comments about them. But there's there's a lot of things we see out in the culture. There's a lot of gods that we see that people still worship. Right? You can buy it in the store and you can take it home and go. That's the god that I worship. But the Bible also <laughs> talks about this god who's he's not made by human hands. Right? Um, if if this god that we worship was this god that, that that contained all the source of truth and morality and authority in our lives was this little god that you can put on your shelf and worship or put things before then oh man we we might be in for some trouble right and so he's completely separated from us in his glory and that we look towards him and have to understand him in that way and he's also a god of authority so in verse two how do we understand the truth we have this true god in authority it says, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So what, what does Jesus have straight from God the Father? Because he is God, he has authority. And this word here in the Greek is excusia. Um, it just means this universal authority over mankind, right? Now, if you, if you went into any society that functioned well, um, you would find that there's probably some sort of authority there, right? Now, nowadays we People don't like authority, right? No, you can't tell me what to do. Well, for any culture, for any system to work well, there has to be a source of authority, a source of governance, right? And, and actually, God gave us this idea in truth, in wisdom, in what's right. And he says here, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And so he possessed this from the beginning. And so all these things that like we have in our culture, in our society, things that work well and that have historically, they didn't actually come from, from a, a culture or society going, hey, I think this is a good idea. Those came directly from God, the idea that they work. And so we have this God who has universal authority. And then in verse th- 3, we have this true God in knowing. It says, and, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so we have this 
true God, right? So everything that is truth, everything that's wrapped up in what is right in the world is God's. It belongs to Him. He's the only true God. And that word in the Greek, the true, is alethenos. Um, and it, it's basically the opposite of like a counterfeit. So um, maybe you've been to New York City and you've had the guys who like open the briefcase or, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the jacket with like the bootleg stuff. And you're like, oh, okay, I am. a Rolex, wow, that's cheap, you know. Uh, sunglasses, you know, wow, $10, that doesn't seem right. And so maybe you've seen those before. Well, in the same way, uh, Jesus, when he's praying, he's, he's wanting to point us to the fact that there's a lot of counterfeit people out there. There's a lot of counterfeit gods. There's a lot of counterfeit ideas. But here he says, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So, so where does eternal life come from? Where does was joy and peace in this life come from? Well, when Jesus is praying, he, he doesn't want us to be confused, right? He's saying, this comes from a true God, not a God, little g, you might find somewhere else. And so as I was uh, going through this, I've continued to read the screw tape letters, and I, I reference those throughout these messages, and I will, uh, because as we fight this battle and we're putting on this helmet, this breastplate, this belt of truth, um, a lot of times we hear things, right? Maybe it's things about us, like you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not, like, you don't have a good enough family, um, or you don't make enough money, or you know, whatever it is, there's all these lies that are out there that the enemy uses to deceive us, right? Um, to get us to do things that would be contrary to the truth, right? That we belong to God, that we're a child of His, and that we have purpose, right? There's things that we can do in this life that matter. Uh, a lot of people would say even now, well, what really matters? Well, I took a little excerpt out of this book, and so this is an interaction between um, uh, one demon and another, and then they're talking about this person who finds themselves in hell and what their reaction is. And so it says here uh, in the screw tape letters, uh, you no longer need a good book, which he really likes to keep him from his prayers or his work or his sleep. A column of an advertisement in yesterday's paper will do. You can make him do nothing at all for long periods. You can keep him up late at night, not roistering, but staring at a dead fire in a cold room. At least he may say, as one of my own patients said on his arrival down here, I now see that I spent most of my life in doing neither what I ought nor what I liked. And so... God in His goodness, He's given us things in this life to enjoy, to, uh, to do, um, to experience, but to do them in truth and to know there's a purpose to it, right? Um, and so it's, it's not just about, um, I think kind of we get this idea in our heads too, it's not just about coming to church, right? And to, uh, to worshiping and to praising God and to hearing the Word um, and having different ministries that we serve in, which is great, but it's about actually living this life with purpose, knowing that we have the truth. Um, so, uh, like what he said in here, there's a lot of things that can distract us and push us away from the truth or just sit there and go, man, is there any real purpose? And if I had to guess, probably a lot of us have known somebody that, that got to the point that it was so bad that they, that they even took their own life. And, and they went, there's, there's so little purpose, there's no purpose. And, and, and what a sad place to be. I mean, how many lies would you have to believe to get to that place? And as Satan whispers in our ear, we have to go, no. God, God, here's what he said. I have the truth, which is that my life is valuable, and that I worship this true God. Praying for you, babies. <laughs> Praying for you, babies, back there. So, in verse 4, we have this true God in the work. Okay, so in the work and the things that we do, in verse 4, it says, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So there is this great purpose in life, and as C.S. Lewis illustrated in this, uh, in this work, um, uh, that we can be distracted, we can be just be doing nothing at all and go, why is there any purpose? And, and Jesus said, I've glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And so he, Jesus had a work, we have work to do as well, and there's purpose in this. And then we find ourselves in verse 5, and there's this true God in uh, pre existence. So Jesus having existed before the foundation of the world, and now he's praying this prayer for us. And he says, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Now, people from different perspectives, different religions, different backgrounds would say about Jesus, oh yeah, he was a real guy. Like, yeah, 
he had a lot of good things to say. He was even a great prophet. Um, but yeah, the whole God thing, like we're not sure. And so that's why you have to be really careful. When we read verses like this, he, Jesus is saying, with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So the truth that we have, which comes from God, which was in Jesus, he's telling us right now that he was what he was preexistent with God before anything was created, before the world existed. And so when you maybe talk with somebody else and they go, yeah, we believe the same thing you do. Um, I had a Jehovah's Witness stop by the, uh, by the house the other day, and so that was fun. Uh, and uh, so I had a little conversation with them. It was the, an older woman with a little bit younger woman, so he had a, 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 a person who was in a lead position with a trainee. And so they started talking, and they told me the whole deal, and I said, here's some things I just want to you know, get out there, right? Um, so I'm a pastor, you know, but no problem. I'll, I'll talk to you. I'm actually a pastor of the church across the street, and um, here's what I know. Uh, you probably don't believe in hell. Did you know that about Jehovah's Witnesses? Uh, you probably don't believe in hell. There's a large percentage that don't. Uh, and then uh, also, uh, maybe you don't believe in heaven. Oh, well, yeah, some of us do. You know, some of us don't. And, and, and here's the thing that I think we really differ on. You don't believe Jesus was God. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's true. Okay, well, thank you. And here's what I believe. Jesus is God. There is a heaven and a hell. We end up one place or the other, and if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you can be placed in heaven with him for eternity. And that was pretty much the end of the conversation. Uh, so, um, but, but we have these kind of conversations with people, and it's important for us to know what the truth is because there are a lot of people out there who even claim things about Jesus, who even pick up a Bible like this and would go, yeah, I'm, you know what? Some of that's true, and I think it's really good stuff. But the parts uh, that I don't like, I'm going to take out of there. And so we have to remember, as Jesus is praying this, he's, saying, he's making a lot of truth statements in his prayer. And I think more than just praying, he's doing this so that when we would read this, we would go, that's what Jesus said to God about himself. And this is the truth. This is the truth that we know. And so we also have this true God in keeping us. We don't do this ourselves because he says in verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. So our relationship with God, this true relationship with Him that we have in the truth, is not like this like relationship you had like when you were in like maybe elementary school or junior high, when they passed the note, check the box, yeah, if you like the person, and then the next day that same person's passing another note to somebody else. Right? How does that work, right? That's not, a very, that's not a very good relationship, right? It's not a relationship you stay in very long, right? You're like one day, yes, one, not, you know, not the next day. But this relationship that we have with God in the truth, uh, and so when, when we put on that belt of truth, we need to be reminded, we need to say, God, I, I know I belong to you. I know that you keep me because there's going to be times, there's going to be days where we, 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 we doubt, you know, or we say, God, like I know this is what you said. I'm having a hard time, but I'm going to rest in the truth what you said when you were praying to God the Father. And he says, and they have kept your word. So there's work on both sides, but yet God is the one who keeps us. And then in verse 7, we have this true God in Jesus. He's the perfect representation. So as we look to, well, how do we know it's really true? We have the person and work of Jesus Christ, the perfect representation of God the Father. And so it says in verse 7, now they, ha- now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. Everything that you've given me is from you. And so what's the, what's the great news? Well, it's not just like, hey, God, he gave us the law. He gave us all the information. Yes, that was truth. But in a physical person who is also God, Jesus, he came down, lived a life like ours only without making any mistakes, without making any areas, errors, a perfect life. And then he died on the cross for our sins and then was raised from the dead. He says, now that they know that everything that you have given me is from you. The good news, right? The truth, the physical manifestation of God as he's praying to his Father. And the second thing is this true knowledge. So well, we, have, we have a true God. We worship the one true God. And this is where we know all the source of uh, authority, all the source of power, all the source of, of everything that's right, everything that's good comes from God. And then we have this true knowledge. So that's the second fill in the blank. And we can truly know God in this belief in Jesus. So how do we come to know the truth? Well, um, Jesus says it right here, for I have given them the words that you gave me, 
and they have received them and have come to know the truth. I came from you that they have believed you sent me. And so I have another belt to show you. Now you've seen this, so this is a, a this is a work belt. Um, this is a belt that's um, known as a fashion belt. So um, ladies, you know, you probably have some of these, you know, they're shiny, right? They look nice. So you have uh, maybe different ones used with different outfits. And, and what purpose do they serve? Well, just to look nice, right? <laughs> right? Um, so you wear them with like different outfits and they, you know, they enhance, right? They enhance the outfit, the experience. I don't know a lot, not a lot about that, but somebody told me. So, um, <laughs> so you, you, have, uh, you have belts like that, right? Fashion belts, but they don't really serve a purpose. And so um, unlike the belt that God gives us, this belt of truth, you might see a belt like that and go, oh, right, it's nice, nice to look at, maybe enhances the outfit. But at the end of the day, it didn't, didn't really do anything. didn't really serve a purpose other than that. Okay, I'm not against fashion belts, by the way. Just, uh, just an illustration, okay? So um, fashion belts. But yeah, the one that God gives us is this belt of truth. And we can actually know the truth, right? We can, it serves a greater purpose uh, than this. And so there's uh, a couple of words here just to know the truth. The word we already talked about, the, the true, aletheos, um, most certainly true. Um, it's the opposite of a counterfeit. And this word uh, known or to have understanding is uh, ginoke. So you put those two together, and it's like, it's like truly being known, right? Uh, now, we'll see some of these phrases throughout the scriptures in regards to um, like marriage. So the, mar- the relationship that you have with your spouse, it's, one of the, it's the closest relationship with someone that you can have in this life. And when God talks about being known or being truly known in regards to knowing Him, that's the most intimate relationship that we can have with God the Father. And he uses these phrases. So when he does, we want to look at him and go, oh, know in truth or truly be known. And in 1 John 2, 5, these same words are used. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. So there are these evidences that we have in our life as we struggle, as we go through difficulty, we put on the belt of truth as the enemy whispers in our ears, which he does often, right? He tells us we're not good enough, or he tells us, oh, God, he doesn't love you. Why would he love you? Why would he care about you? And here, Jesus, as he's praying for us, says that, that we can know him in the truth. That He says that I came from you and that they believed that you sent me because he is the truth. And then in verse 9, we have this uh, truly noble God in, in personal care. So like he, he cares for us, right? As you're, um, maybe you've known somebody who believes something else, you've seen some of those statues, right? So for whatever other religion, maybe you went to a Chinese food restaurant and there was the Buddha and there was like a bunch of stuff in front of him, like fortune cookies and other food. And you're like, why, why is there food? They're like, he, that guy's not going to eat it, <laughs> right? Well, that's because he's not real. He's not a true God. And this true God, we can truly know because he personally cares about us. I would really press you to find any other belief system in the world that would present a God who can truly know us, that we can truly know that truly cares about us. And so it says in verse 9, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So Jesus says, I'm not praying for the rest of the world. And as, because he's God in the flesh, as he's making this statement, he's saying, I'm praying for those whom you have given me. He's praying for every single one of us, every person who would put their faith and trust in Jesus because, he's, because he himself is God. He's looking ahead uh, and going, I'm praying for everybody, right? I'm praying for those who I know are going to go before and they're going to need that belt of truth. They're going to need to know the truth. And as I'm praying for them, I want them to know that, that there's somebody, there's a God who is in heaven, who loves and cares for them. Sometimes that's the only thing to get us through the day, right? The truth that there's this God who knows us perfectly, who we can know, who we have this relationship with. And we can go to this and read this and go, I'm so glad that I worship a God who cares about me because he says, I'm praying for them. You've given them to me and they are yours. They belong to you, God, the Father. It's good news. So we also have the security in God and this truly knowable in security. So we all have security. We like to be secure. We like to make sure homes, our families are protected. Well, in verse 10, it says, all mine are yours. 
and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. So does this sound like, like, like Jesus is going, like, I'm not really sure, like, yeah, like they can believe, but then um, maybe they can like forget, they can be, you know, lost somewhere. Um, no, Jesus is saying, no, they, they're mine, right? Um, there's a similar word that's used in regards to how um, when Adam and Eve were formed in the garden, and then Adam's like asked, uh, hey, uh, you know, uh, what, what do we need to name this person, this entity? Woman. Mine is another translation you can use in the Hebrew. Uh, and so when, uh, when, when that takes place, man looks at woman and he goes, mine belongs to me and I love her. And God, in the same way, through Jesus, he's going, they belong to me. You belong to me. And so when you're struggling, when you're going through those days, you're just like, I'm not sure what the purpose is. You need to remember, you think you're not good enough. God's saying, look, I love you no matter where you're at, no matter what skills you possess, no matter what job you have, no matter where you're at in life, I love you, I care for you. And, and Jesus is saying this to us. And then in verse 11, we have this true, truly noble God in oneness. Um, and this is one of my favorites, uh, as I was just kind of reading through this, these ideas about God and about us, how he views us. In verse 11, it says, And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. One of the things I love about this when I was reading this is just that we have this truly noble God in oneness, and it's this objective evidence that we have the truth, that we know the truth, that we walk in it, um, that we're a part of a um, community of faith of believers that walk in oneness together. Now, surely, there's going to be times where we disagree about things from time to time. But when it comes to knowing God, walking with Him faithfully, worshiping Him, making Him the focus, the aim, I mean, what, what's the, the focus of our church to love Christ, to grow the church, to reach the community? Um, and those essential things, we are unified. And I, and I loved it when we were um, doing VBS this week. Like, everybody just knew what they were doing. Uh, it was the first time I had been a part of, like, a, a mega sports camp. I mean, it sounded, you know, awesome just in the name, but uh, mega sports camp. So when I was there, a lot of times, although I was leading, like, a little huddle group part of the time, um, I, I got to just kind of watch and go, man, there's a lot of oneness going on here, right? There's a lot of unified purpose and it takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of purpose. Um, it takes a lot of going, here's what we need to do to accomplish this. But when everybody's there, when everybody's talking about God, I could just see all these simultaneous conversations taking place. And I'm going, this is what being one looks like. And Jesus prayed this for us. And, and it's this objective evidence that we know we have the truth. Where else do you see like a lot of unification? Where else do you see um, so much uh, oneness in the world? Uh, I, look, I look around, I'm going, I don't see a whole lot of that, right? Um, but we, as the church, it's one of the signs um, of the church that they are seeking after God, this oneness that he gives us. Um, and it's a beautiful thing because, again, it points us to who God is. It's one of the greatest proofs that we have for the truth. So when we put on that belt of truth as we pray, we go, God, thank you for the oneness you've given us in a relationship with you through your son Jesus, and thank you for the oneness you provide to us, being of one spirit, one mind, one heart, as we worship God and we pursue his purposes together. And then in verse 12, we have this truly noble God in his foreknowledge, um, just that he, he knew everything that was going to take place in the expanse of the universe and time. It says in verse 12, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you gave me. I have guarded them and have not let one of them, and not let one of them has been lost, except for the son of destruction, the scripture might be fulfilled. So even in knowing and leading a group of people, Jesus, who was going to go to the cross, who knew that Judas was going to say, oh yeah, Jesus, I follow you. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do yeah, like whatever you say, wherever you go, I'm going to go there. Um, and then he ends up being the one who betrays him so that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, uh, how much more evidence, how much more proof do we need, except for all the scriptures which have been laid out for us in advance, which were uh, fulfilled in the New Testament, and, and to see Jesus talk about them and go, hey, there's all these things, by the way, as he's talking to God the Father. We knew that would happen. Hey, they happened. Um, and God, I'm so glad we're on the same place. We have this oneness together with the people. God, I pray you would keep them in that oneness. And here's all the people we've kept them together, except for the one who we've said, hey, 
this person was going to betray and do that. And they knew that, okay? So we have this truly knowable God in His foreknowledge. He knows everything that will take place. And then in verse 13, we have this truly knowable God in His, in his joy, which He gives us. There's a special kind of joy that Jesus talks about. In verse 13, He says, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And it's this joy that... Um, when Jesus talks about it, it's this, this Greek word, kara. And um, it's cool because Kara sang a song today about having joy. Uh, this this uh, you know, greater joy that we can have. It's, it's uh, overwhelming. It's overcoming of anything else that we could experience in this life. And, and we have direct access to it. And so Jesus says, I want them to have my joy, a joy that <clears throat> we know what he was going to experience, right? And the scriptures tell us about that joy that he had before he was going to go, before, go to the cross. And it's found in Hebrews 12, too. <clears throat> Same word. It says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So what kind of joy did Jesus have before he was going to the cross? This joy that was set before him, that he was going to endure this cross so that we could have eternal life. In the same way, he's saying, I want them to have the same joy, which should enable us to, no matter what's going on, say, I've got that kara, I've got that joy in my life that is greater than anything else that's going on. It's not that the difficulties of life don't get us down, right? It's not that there aren't things that happen that we just go, oh man, that's, this is tough, this is difficult. But that Jesus said, hey, as he's praying for us, he says that they may have my kara, they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And then, man, what, what can shake us, right? Things can certainly get us down, but we're, we're wearing that belt of truth, and we pray that on in the morning. We go, man, I'm so glad that Jesus prayed for us, that we would have the same joy, that would either, even overcome knowing that you were going to die. He had that kind of joy for us because he was going to endure the cross for us. And so here's the last point, a true word, a true word. And it's one that you could have guessed, God's word. We'll talk about that. In verse 14, we have this uh, true word that may surprise us, but it creates animosity with the world, right? When we say that we have this true word, and we say we have the Bible, which is the true word of God, which he gave to us, and Jesus, who was the true word, who is the true word, the logos, which is the perfect representation of God, the word lived out in physical manifestation, uh, we have to know that this is going to come up to some opposition in the world, right? To say that we have the truth. And it's even more unpopular today to say that the Bible, God's Word, is the source of truth we have. And that it's not like there's a bunch of other truths. It's not like uh, maybe you've read um, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Um, I'm reading it again this week. And just every time I read it, I'm like, wow, you know, I'm like blown away. Uh, so when I was reading it again this week, he, he talked about like multiplication and like math. He's going, Things like two plus two, they don't equal five. <laughs> and that doesn't change. And in the same way, God's word is true. And you can't have, you can't say that this is true and this is true, right? There's got to be one objective moral source of perfect authority. And, and it should not be us, right? It should not be society. It should not be culture. Um, thank goodness we know that, right? And as Jesus is praying these things, um, he says this in verse 14, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And so I want to show you kind of one last belt. I was like, well, what other kind of belts am I going to use? Well, uh, I've been showing some of the fire stuff, so I want to show you another one of these. And um, again, our fire department here is great in Elba, so if you need help, um, call 911. We'll be there, or at least somebody will be who works with the fire department. Um, so this is a type of belt. So suspenders, you may have seen uh, these, um, but they're fairly important for a firefighter. So um, you put these on uh, very quickly, right? You throw them over, you tighten them up, and you've got all these pockets and things that have other really important stuff in them, um, and you've got to do that quickly. And so as I, I was thinking about the, that this week and just some of the things that you know, I have to put on and um, a different kind of belt like this you would put on if you're going to somewhere that was difficult or dangerous, 
I've even thought about like some things that I've done recently. You go to a car accident, and you're like leaning down on the ground, there's glass everywhere, right? Um, those things that not only protect you from really hot heat, right, uh, being close to fire, but from other dangers. And as we get ready each day and we think about the belt of truth and what Jesus was praying for us, so much of the time I feel like we're okay with just getting up and going and not having any sort of conversation with God at all. And that scares me, right? That really scares me for us um, because I'm not getting up and I'm not like my phone's not going off and I'm not going to something that's difficult, um, a fire or a car accident or whatever it might be. And, and I'm putting that on because I know I might need it, right? Um, I'm knowing I'm probably going to need something like that. But when we go out into the world, it's not like we're like, maybe I'll encounter opposition. Maybe I'll encounter difficulty. Maybe I'll encounter some animosity, what Jesus says here, he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not. Jesus is making another truth statement. He's going, they're not of the world. It's not like he's whispering. It's not like he's, this is a secret. He's going, you're going to encounter difficulty. And he said that in chapter 16 before even getting into chapter 17. And so um, just as someone might prepare to do something difficult like that, we've, we've got to have this perspective or this thought that we will always encounter difficulty in the world. And it might not be somebody yelling at you to your face like, you're a Christian and I hate you because you are, right? It, it may just be in, in, in the quiet times and the going to the work and the, just doing a regular task where the enemy, he, he whispers to us and he goes, he goes, why are you even doing this? You know, following God, sometimes you don't really do a very good job. You know what our only response should be? <laughs> Wearing the belt of truth, you're exactly right. I'm so glad that I didn't have to be perfect to belong to God. Um, and I can go through all these different scenarios, these things that we just get bombarded with on a regular basis by the world, by our culture, by the enemy himself. And we have to know that this is going to come. But we have the truth, and we need to be prepared with it, the belt of truth. In verse 15, uh, we have this true word in uh, this special protection that Jesus gives to us. Um, and it's powerful, too. And we, we need to think about it like that. In verse 15, it says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Okay, he's making another truth statement here. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. You know, we're here for a reason, right? We're here for a purpose. So even as we read this, we're getting truth that, oh, I'm supposed to be here for a specific purpose. I'm supposed to go to my job. I'm supposed to go to school. I'm supposed to go to wherever I'm going, the market, wherever, and I'm, I have purpose there, right? And so he says, you're, you're in the world for a reason, but keep them from the evil one. Now, here's the good news. Jesus prayed for us about this, right? That as we're putting on that belt of truth, it's not like when, when we're doing these things, when we're preparing for the spiritual battle, that it's going to be even easier. We're going to be, God's just going to take care of everything. We're going to be unaware. We're going to be even more aware of some of those difficulties we're going to face. And sometimes that's going to make it even more difficult as we see those things. And, and resisting the enemy is important for us in this because he says, but you keep them from, but that you keep them from the evil one. I'll read another quote from the Screw Tape Letters. C.S. Lewis wrote, it says, For as things are, your man has now discovered the dangerous truth that these attacks don't last forever. Again, this is a, this is a, a, a pretend demon talking to another one. And uh, he says, remember, these attacks don't last forever. Don't let your person, don't let the person that you're talking to, that you're trying to mislead, think that. And then he says, Consequently, you cannot use again what is, after all, our best weapon, the belief of ignorant humans that there is no hope of getting rid of us except by yielding. So as we prepare for this spiritual battle, as we're going like, man, there's so many things I struggle with, I just have a hard time. Maybe it's um, anger. Uh, Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's um, lack of respect for your spouse. As we go through these things, we know that Jesus has already covered all these by his blood, but we have to remember that we got to do something, right? We can, we can resist because it says in James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Isn't that good news, right? We don't have to just go, ah, just, it's too hard. I'm going to give up. I'm not even going to try, right? Uh, but he says, no, you have the truth. You have this belt of truth. And as he, Jesus prays for us, he says, keep them from the evil one. And Jesus has done most of the work for us, right? If we could just get up and we could be reminded of these truths and we could pray on that belt of truth and go, God, I need your help. And just resist. Man, 
How hard is that? Just say no, right? Just say no one time. And what does Satan do? Well, he's a coward, so he leaves, doesn't he? Yeah? And he doesn't like that. We say those things, but it's the truth, and we have access to that truth. And then verse 16, it says, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. So when you think like you're going around and like you're doing things a little bit differently, and people look at you or they say things, or like whispering, maybe you pray, like um, maybe you pray when you go out to a meal. Um, I've had people doing that, maybe not saying so nice things. I've had some people say some nice things um, too. Maybe you do that and people are like, oh, they're weird. Like, they are, are they really talking to God in public? Yeah, because we have direct access to Him. So that's the truth that we belong to Him. We belong with Him in heaven. So our citizenship does not belong to this world. And we have confidence in that, right? So we have to be worried. Like, kids, when you go to school, like maybe even praying over your meal or talking about God, like, at the, you know, at the lunch table, people are going to think I'm weird. That's Okay. We're supposed to be a little bit weird, right? Now, for some of you going, yeah, I know I am weird. <laughs> but this weirdness that we do have that we possess from God, it's supposed to be there, right? So we don't have to be ashamed of that. And in verse 17, it says that we are, we're sanctified in this truth. And so it says, it says here, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, this word here in the Greek, the um, hagiazo, to purify or to cleanse the word that we've talked about in this series. So it's not just like getting purified through like dirt or like a nasty, you know, t-shirt or something. This word for being sanctified, hagiazo, it's like the best form of purification that you could think of, like reverse osmosis if it's water, um, ultraviolet light, like that's the big thing right now. Um, and so as I think about those things, um, we, we have to be aware that we have been sanctified in the truth and that the word is truth. So, um, man, why would we get up? Like, we pray on the armor of God, and we go, thank you, God. I'm going to have a great day, but I'm going to, I mean, I promise I'm going to read it sometime. I'm going to get around to that. I know, I know, I will. But, but why not set aside the time to do that? Um, as, as I think about some of the things, like some of the belts we have out here, and, and going and, like, going to the scene of an accident and putting on some of this gear, putting on those, those pants with the suspenders, I, I'm going to do that for sure because I know I'm preparing for something. And what I know about God's Word is it prepares us for this life. The, the battle that we're going to be in, the battle that we fight every single day, it's not like a question mark. We will fight it. And Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth, purify them in the truth. How do we do that if we don't read it? So we got to be in it, right? And we say these things all the time. We're like, oh, yeah, I will read my Bible, but like really read it, like really read it because it's important, right? And in verse 18, we have this true word that reveals this special placement. It says, as, and this is what Jesus says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So like, again, when we get up and we go and we do the things that we're doing, and we just think that like sometimes life is like, oh, mundane or difficult or like, why am I doing this? Jesus says, I've sent them into the world. Like, God, you sent me into the world. Can you imagine the significance of like we would place that on our lives every single day that we get up? God, I know you sent, you've sent me where I'm going to go today for a reason, for a purpose, and I want to be prepared to do that. And then closing in verse 19, and for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. And we know what Jesus was about to do. He was about to go to the cross and he says, for their sake. I consecrate myself. The only one who could consecrate themselves would have been Jesus as he went to the cross and he took on all of our sin, past, present, and future, and he died for that. And then he was raised from the dead so that we could be sanctified in the truth, so that we could have direct access to the truth, so that the Spirit could come and live inside of us. And as we read these words on these pages of this Bible, which is the source of truth, is the only source of truth that we have, it doesn't have anything to do with us. These words, they come alive, right? They change our lives because it is the truth. And one thing I want to leave you with, it's actually the words of someone else in the next chapter, John chapter 18, when Jesus is before Pilate, he, he asks them this question. So here's the interaction in chapter 18 of John, verse 37 and 38. It says, Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he said this, 
he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I found no guilt in him. Jesus said he is the king. That's the purpose that he came into the world to bear witness about the truth, which everyone who, what, listens to my voice. Well, he's in the truth, right? So what's the sign? What's the subjective evidence? The truth that we have, that we know him, that we walk with him, that we read his word, and that we stay in it, and that this is a source of our truth. So maybe, maybe you're having a hard time, maybe you're struggling, maybe you're um, listening online too, or you're in here, and you just, you don't know. You're like, you've never made that decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Well, what we know is the truth, that Jesus came, he lived us in this life, he died for us on the cross, that all those who would believe in his name, what he's done for them, and that he raised from the dead, conquering sin and death. Anybody who would believe in that, the scriptures tell us, confess with your mouth that he is the Lord. That is true, and you'll have eternal life. And I want to say something unpopular. I said at the beginning, this is the source of our authority, of all truth, um, the word of God which he gives to us. And, and as I was um, visiting with our deacons, it was probably a couple months ago, we talked about um, just God allowing us to be here for, you know, 200 plus years, 201 years. Uh, and you, you sort of ask questions like, why has a church been around that long? And I think it goes back to that statement in Philippians. I think it's 2.16. It's the, one of the ones that we see on a lot of things in the church and has been um, on the church for a while, um, that we hold on to this source of authority, this word. We hold it forth and we proclaim it, and we do that unapologetically, right? Not in a hateful way, but that we say, look, there's nothing else that is truth in the world. We have access to it. Um, so maybe if you haven't made that decision, I'd just give you the opportunity to do that. If you're online, reach out to us um, through the Facebook the website. I'd be glad to talk with you. Um, if that's you here today, I'd love to talk to you about that afterwards. Um, let me pray for us, and we'll close. Uh, Father, we um, thank you uh, for this time to talk about truth, your word, um, that it's so important, God, that we have access to you, a true God. Um, God, we pray that we would never um, take that for granted, um, that we would never neglect it. Um, God, that um, in your truth, we have perfect access to you. Um, God, that we can uh, live this life um, knowing that there's purpose, that there's a goal for us to be with you in heaven forever. But while we're here, I pray you help us to walk in the truth. It's so hard uh, with everything else pressing on us. Um, with the doubt that the enemy puts on us. God, we're so thankful that your, your word tells us that we belong to you, um, that there, there's nothing that can overcome the truth that you've given us. Uh, pray that would uh, impact our lives. That how do we know the truth? Well, we found it in you, in your son Jesus, and in the word that you give us. I pray that would shape our lives. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, love you, church. Um, again, what a great week we had. Um, as people online are checking out. Have a great week. Um, And then uh, one